You're listening to The Jay Barker Show on Tide 100.9 in Tuscaloosa. Featuring Lars Anderson, New York Times best-selling author of 12 books and a 20-year veteran of Sports Illustrated. Matt Coulter, a former Alabama Broadcaster of the Year and longtime media personality. And Christian Miller, a national championship-winning linebacker at Alabama who was drafted by the Carolina Panthers. Here's Lars, Matt, and Christian. Yeah, I mean, I'll, I'll say it's one of the most memorable seasons ever. I mean, it's not easy to win the regular season, the SEC tournament the same year, make a Sweet 16 run. You know, it's a great group that really loves each other. I mean, they're going to be close for life, most of them. So, you know, I, I love the group. They love each other. And it's just really disappointing that it's ending early, but... I think it's one of the most memorable seasons in Alabama history, and they, they can walk out of here with their heads up. As they should. Uh, they won the season and the tournament championship and then went on to make the Sweet 16, but it will also be noted as a season where Alabama likely failed in many... I, I expected them to win it all, so... Uh, Failure seems to be a uh, pretty harsh term, but and also the cloud that will always hang over this team's head is the tragic death of Kabia Harris and the aftermath since. But hey, how about this, Lars? You got the Owls, you got the Aztecs, you got the Hurricanes, you got the Huskies. I've never seen a bracket busted up as much as mine, and I'm assuming the rest of the nations. How are you today, Lars? I'm doing great. Doing great. Beautiful, uh, sunny afternoon here in uh, Alabama. Hope everybody had a good weekend. Um, yeah, it was a, a tough, tough loss for Alabama. Um, and uh, Nate Oates has received plenty of criticism uh, from around the country. Uh, basically, one, just everything that's happened this season and also the fact that San Diego State went on a 23-5 scoring run in the in the second half, and uh, Alabama just sort of sat there with three timeouts left. Uh, and the, the bleeding was never stopped uh, during that run that tilted the game. And then he also, um, you know, facts are facts. You, you have to look at the, the performance of Brandon Miller, and you have to wonder if the weight of – all of the events of the year finally was just too much uh, for him, too much of a burden. Um, and, the, you know, the criticism that just came uh, just came from all angles, from all across the country of, uh, of, uh, of Nate Oates, of, uh, of Greg Byrne. And certainly the Alabama players are hearing that. And, 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 and Brandon Miller, he had a historically bad tournament. I mean, there's just no way around it. He made eight of 41 attempts in the three games, right, against uh, A&M, yeah. Corpus Christi, Maryland, and the Aztecs. And he's the only player in the last 64 seasons, right, <laughs> only player in the last 64 seasons to record a shooting percentage that low on that many attempts. So, um, yeah, so he shot uh, 
15.8% from three and uh, I think 19.5% uh, overall. And uh, it's really a stunning statistic, you know, that, again, the only player since 1960 to shoot under 20% in a single tournament with a minimum of 40 attempts. So um, it's really hard to explain. And I understand that they went up against really good defensive teams. I mean, that's that's, uh, you know, we'll get into the controversy surrounding. Uh, Creighton and whether or not that was a foul uh, on <laughs> on San Diego State, but San Diego State, hey, they emerged. They as uh, they are they are moving forward to the to the Final Four. Um, but I mean, that's my 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 overall take. Like, if I were to write a story about Alabama's tournament, I think you have to put it in the context of the entire season. And the burden that every player certainly must have been feeling, and and you know, and and how uh, the team was viewed right across the country, and I think finally it just became too much. That's my analysis. But what 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 are your if you were right if you were to write the story of the tournament, what would you lead with, Matt? Well, I think it would be Alabama's loss to San Diego State, as far as that is concerned. And then you have to lead with what happened to Brandon Miller. And you just gave the statistics. Just uh, he uh, was ineffective, if, if that's a polite way to put it. But uh, I think maybe the burden finally caught up with him, like you just said. And, and, and it was just too much. And, you know, the national spotlight was on him and all that. But. I got to give a lot of credit to San Diego State and their head coach, uh, Brian Dutcher. Uh, after Alabama came out of the gates in the second half and made that great run and got up by nine, I think it was eight or nine, he called a timeout. He burned it and said, I'm not putting up with this. They came out. What did you say the run was? 25-3? Something like right? that. Yeah, yeah, something like that. And uh, I don't think the game was over because Alabama made a couple of runs, but that was a very timely Timeout, pardon the redundancy, but it's true. Uh, and San Diego State ended up winning the basketball game. I will say this, and I don't want this to turn into all oh, Matt's being a 90-90 boo-boo, but not just this game, but several games, in my opinion, and I, I think everyone knows this and have listened to me for decades, I am on the side of officials umpires, referees. I always side with them. I try to. But the calls, how does San Diego State end up with less fouls than Alabama with the way San Diego State plays defense? And particularly, they would come out of each half and they get whistled for several fouls. But then after that, the the officials grew numb. And they said, they foul every trip down the court, but uh, we can't call everyone. The, the, the game will be ruined. Well, but on, meanwhile, on the other end, they they keep calling Alabama for all their fouls. And particularly down the stretch, they were calling fouls just everywhere. Five on Alabama in the last minute. Now, some of those were intentional, uh, purposeful. But uh, like I said, I don't... Uh, I don't normally get on the referees, but not just this game, but uh, several were uh, officiated poorly. Uh, and I guess that's about, in the words of Forrest Gump, I, all I got to say about that. I would be interested in your response, though, Lars. 
Well, I do know in the SEC, they do not officiate that way, right? I mean, they just don't. Because you, after the game, player after player from San Diego State said, we knew we had Alabama right at the beginning because they were moaning to the refs about how we are about our style of defense. <laughs> and because Alabama wasn't used to it. I mean, nobody was used to it. I mean, everybody, you know, applauds San Diego State for their, especially their perimeter defense. It was like the perfect storm of a team you didn't want to play if you're Alabama when you are so reliant on, you know, the the, the, the three-point three shot or perimeter perimeter play. And, um, and you know, it's just a, the, the, the grabbing, the uh, <laughs> I mean, it just the the, the, the constant uh, smacking at the wrists, um, you know, just doing all these things that, again, in the SEC, you don't get away with. And yeah. And, and also, Matt, I think what, part of what you're saying is that if the game is called consistently right for all 40 minutes, that's one thing. But when it's not consistent. You know, like it's it sort of grew tough to figure out what constituted a foul and what didn't constitute a foul. Because you're right, San Diego State was basically fouling every Alabama trip down Absolutely. the floor. That's, that's and, their goal. And, and the refs didn't, you know, they didn't want to c- control the game. I, I don't know. It's it seemed like the like the game got away from the refs. And 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 I think uh, the exact same thing happened to Creighton. I mean, you can't call that foul at the end. And not call it 15 times before. Yeah, it is just a horrific, horrific call. Lars, as wonderful as this tournament is, and we'll continue to watch it, I mean, you've got a, a nine, a five, a five, and a four seed left. And that's great. And I look forward to this coming weekend and one week from tonight when we get the championship game. But this tournament will, all, will be remembered for a couple of things, in my opinion. One was the incredibly inconsistent officials um, from one game to the next. And really within the games, as you just stated, Lars, within the games, they would call it for a while one way and then they call it for a while then. But uh, the other thing is, and I've heard, I've read this all over social media, is the basketballs. Have you read about that? I mean, I'm sure you've got the slick brand new basketballs. You can't yeah. play with brand new basketballs. It's like baseball. You rub them down with that Delaware mud and you get the shine off of them. You make them easier to grip. But they were just rolling brand new slick basketballs right off the shelf at Academy and onto the floor. And and I don't understand why they didn't change that when they had the opportunity to do, Lars. I I agree. Um, And and again, you just, uh, you, you saw... Look at Alabama. <laughs> Gosh, it's so frustrating to talk about this team because there's so much talent. I think this this team is as talented as any in school history, in my estimation. And uh, again, not to use those timeouts uh, when when you just leave them sitting there, three timeouts, um, and to try to to stem what San Diego State is doing, and then um, just the the, uh, the officiating. And, uh, you know, some national writers just hammering Alabama and national writers, uh, you know, just saying how thankful they were that San Diego State won so we don't have to deal with Alabama anymore. I mean, just uh, stuff that was a little over the top. Um, But Alabama is a pretty 
pretty easy target right now, right? It's low hanging. Like you can, <laughs> you can go after Alabama and, and unlike us, right? We've like lived through this whole thing. We've talked about it. We've dissected it. I feel like we really have a sense of what transpired the night of the, the, the tragic shooting, right? And, um, and so, I don't know, Matt, it, 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 it's, it's a season that's hard to put into words. Uh, but uh, in the end, it, it ends in, I would say, profound disappointment. From T-Town to the Plains, this is Alabama's most in-depth analysis on the SEC. This is Big Noon Sports. Cashback is not available. Tide 100.9, Tuscaloosa weather. A mixture of clouds and sunshine this afternoon. Just a small chance of a shower through tonight. The better chance of rain stays to the south. The high today, 71. The low tonight, 42. Or tomorrow, partially sunny. The chance of a shower stays small. The high, 62. I'm James Spann on the ABC 3340 Weather Center on Tide 100.9. It's 75 degrees in Tuscaloosa. Welcome back into Big Boom Sports. Matt Coulter, Lars Anderson, uh, Corey, and Christian Miller are with us. Uh, we're awaiting a hookup with Brian Passink, who is the color analyst for the Alabama Basketball Network, Crimson Tide Sports Network. And he will be joining us in just a second, and he will talk about what happened in Louisville. First of all, let's just say hello to the Millers. How are you guys doing? What's up, guys? I'm solo right now. I kicked Christian out. I cut him. Um, so, you know, I'm taking his place. So... We're going to get this thing uh, jumping and popping down here in Tuscaloosa. <laughs> All right. Well, uh, give me, hey, Corey, give us your thoughts on Alabama's basketball game against San Diego State. Just kind of encompass the entire season, if you if you will. You know, it was a great run. Um, uh, you know, I, I do, listen, Nate Oates done a fantastic job. I'm really disappointed some of the tweets after being in town and listening to some folks. Some of the comments I heard on, on the Tide this morning on the radio show just – People, you know, the coaching style doesn't work and, you know, Brandon Miller, this, that, and the third and all of this stuff after one game. I mean, this team won over 30 games this season. You won the regular season SEC championship. You won a tournament championship. And listen, getting to the Final Four, none of this is easy. I mean, look at the Final Four. Like, who would have said that these three of the four teams at least would have been there? I mean, come on. I mean, so my my thing to the fan base of Alabama, listen, you got to start building. They are building. Nados is building a, a very nice program. And, you know, it's tough. It's hard. I mean, you think about all the the negativity, all the things that they had to deal with uh, this pretty much entire season. Um, and then the bad shooting just caught up with them. And, and I'll say this real quickly. San Diego State is a basketball team. I noticed when you play a basketball team that's senior laden, a team that's been around a long time, sometimes th- those teams bite a more talented basketball team. Alabama is a Final Four-worthy team, but they ran into a team that was a bad matchup, that had a lot of experience, and then 
if you don't want to believe me, ask to Kentucky. They get McDonald's All-Americans all the time, and they struggle. Why? When they meet teams that's more experienced, know how to play the true game of basketball. It's not how fast you run and jump and, and you know, all these different things, but basketball, sound basketball, they lose. And I think this was the case with Alabama because they play good defense. Normally that keeps them in the game, and they, they forget a way out of it. But this time, when you make three threes out of, what, 24, 27, whatever the number was, uh, it, it bit them this time. And, and so I still think, hey, we hand clap, we give them a round of applause for having a wonderful basketball season, and they those can recruit. They're going to hopefully build a new coliseum and all that good stuff. They're trending, and the trajectory is heading in the right direction, in my opinion. And I'm excited based on what they did. I mean, so, uh, listen, uh, you can be mad, you can whatever, but this was a great season for the Alabama basketball team. Corey, uh, I'd love to hear your thoughts on Brandon Miller. Um, he wasn't just struggling in the tournament. He was historically bad. I mean, we just got to call it for what it is, historically bad. First player since 1960 to shoot under 20% in a single tournament with a minimum of 40 attempts. Uh, do, do you think it was just sort of the, the mental fatigue of the season finally was what just sort of wore him down? Or was it just a case of uh, going up against three teams that, that played him, you know, played hard defense against him? I think it's probably a little bit of both, uh, Lars, to be honest with you. And I, I think, you know, just the mental aspect, it, it wears you down. I mean, having to answer questions, I'm sure who knows what else is going on uh, outside. Uh, but he struggled. And, and to win in this tournament, your best players have to play their best basketball. And he didn't. He was a leading uh, scorer. He did some other good things. He rebounded the basketball and uh, played some good defense. But they needed his offense. I mean, you didn't need him the first game. We didn't score any points. He came back the second game, put 19. That was his average. And then, uh, you know, this past weekend, you know, he struggled again. And so did the whole basketball team. But, you know, whatever the reason, I can't pinpoint I don't know, but you got to think as an athlete, former athlete, I can tell you that, you know, having that type of pressure week in and week out, day after day, uh, it has to wear on you. I mean, just to knowing that you might go to court, I mean, did who, I mean, all this stuff is, is compounding. So, but again, as I said, you know, my opening statement there, Lars, I'm still excited where Alabama basketball is, where it is heading. And I do believe that, that this team is, is built to last, and he'll continue to recruit. I wish Brandon Miller nothing but the absolute best. He 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 did a great job based on what what was going on. And and listen, we all would have hoped that we'd be talking about Final Four today, but it, it is what it is, and you just got to take it and uh, keep moving on. All right, we've got both the Millers at the Tide Studio, and you got Lars and Matt joining us as well. And now we are going to uh, talk to Brian Passink, who's the color analyst for. Alabama Basketball Network. But um, I just want to get right to uh, uh, a question I think everybody wants to know. And I don't mean for you to get into specifics too much, but what was the mood of this team like on the plane uh, after after losing to San Diego State? By the way, great job as always. Thank you for joining us. But, uh, go ahead and fire away with that answer, Brian. Yeah. Um, no, appreciate you guys having me. It, it, was, it was somber. I mean, these guys wanted to go further. Um, they knew that uh, they had a chance to go to a place that Alabama's never been, and that's the Final Four. And uh, But they also knew that San Diego State was very much capable 
of, of beating them and beating anyone. I mean, they're a really good team. I, it wasn't a, a, a shock how good San Diego State was and is. And, I mean, you know, I would, I would say uh, they have as good a chance as anyone of winning at all. Uh, they're, they're really good, really impressive, really old, mature. Uh, so that was, you know, not, you know, not, not a, a bad team uh, that beat Alabama. But there was definitely disappointment. I mean, these players and coaches wanted this so badly. And, and one of the things for me um, that really tells you about how Alabama basketball fans felt about this particular group is the number of calls and texts and just people I've talked to that didn't say they were sad or felt bad or mad. It's that they felt bad for our players because they loved our players and our coaches. And, and that was something that I I don't remember hearing that that was a lot of people's first thought of, of how much they appreciate these players and, and just know how much it means to them uh, that they're hurting for our players. And count me in that group. Uh, this is a, a great team. I think it's the best team in school history. Uh, when you look at uh, their entire season, what was accomplished? Did it end too soon? Yes. <laughs> and you know, all the number one seeds and number two seeds will tell you, and number three seeds will tell you that it ended too soon. Uh, this is uh, a, a great, a great team uh, that had an incredible season, and unfortunately uh, didn't get to where they had hoped to get. Uh, but that is. Why we love March, that is why we hate March, that is why it's incredible, and that's why it's incredibly painful, uh, because you never know what's going to happen, and unfortunately, uh, Alabama season comes to an end. Brian, uh, acknowledging that we all hate blaming the refs for losses, right? (laughs) We're not going to do that. But how would you characterize the refereeing in that game? Oh, well, I mean, you know, I I don't want to... I don't want to go all whole, uh, all Auburn Network on you guys and and focus in on that. Uh, but I mean, <laughs> it, it, it wasn't great. It wasn't great. Um, but listen, you, you don't lose that game because of the rush. You, you lost the game because San Diego San Diego State was really good. Uh, you know, I thought it was two of the best defensive teams in the country, two of the toughest teams in the country. Now, uh, the Aztecs, little. Uh, more mature in terms of age and physicalness. I mean, they were a big, strong, thick group that um, that a lot like Tennessee, a lot like Mississippi State or Texas A&M, um, it's one of those games that if, if they're letting you play physical and um, that's going to be a little tougher on the, the team that's not quite as um, stout, muscular, thick. Um, so, but that's how it goes. Um, but I thought both teams defended at a really high level. And, you know, to me, I, I thought San Diego State made some, some tough shots against really good defense. And Alabama missed some tough shots against really good defense. Uh, and sometimes that's just that's just how it goes. Uh, so there were some things that, that didn't go Alabama's way. Uh, but I give credit to the Aztecs. I, I thought uh, they were as impressive as I was afraid they were going to be. Uh, Alabama obviously did not have its best game, didn't shoot the ball well. Um, but that's not an accident for San Diego State. That's what they do. They're one of the best defenses in the country. They're one of the best perimeter defenses in the country. Uh, and they force you to take difficult shots. Alabama did not have success 
uh, in that regard. And when they did get open shots, they weren't falling. And that's why it's so hard to win a national championship, to win six games against really good competition. Um, you know, college basketball in this day and age, and it has been for a while, there's just not a big difference between the top two or three or four or five teams in the country uh, and those that are that I would say are kind of top 25, top 35 caliber teams. There's just not a ton of difference. And when you're trying to win, um, you know, six tough games, which now it used to be five tough games because you felt like you had a bye with the, the, the one playing a 16. Well, that's not the case anymore. Purdue uh, proved that second t- second time in history uh, that a that a one seed doesn't make it out of the first round. Uh, but it, it's tough, and, and I thought that would be a difficult matchup. I think if this was the NBA and you played a seven-game series, I, I like Alabama's chances. I, I think uh, if you played ten times, I think Alabama probably wins the majority of those, but that's not how the NCAA tournament works. And that's why when you look at who's in the Final Four right now, um, it's just it, it, you never know what's going to happen in a one-game scenario, uh, and that is what is wild and sometimes very disappointing about March. Brian, typically when a season can, is can, is concluded, you know you have time to look back and kind of just kind of go over some things and, and see um, you know, some things you might have learned and, and and figured out about a team. Is there anything that you learned from this past season uh, when you look back and reflect on it? Oh, so much. I mean, number one, uh, this is one of my all-time favorite teams on and off the court. Um, you know, I, I've gotten to know these guys. Um, I've seen how they've handled adversity. I've seen how they've handled um, things being said about them and opinions and narratives based on misinformation. I mean, I, I know that. Um, and to see how they've handled it, handled it uh, both on the court and off the court, has been really impressive. It's just a, a great group of guys. And I think on the court, when you look at winning the SEC regular season title, uh, in a year that the SEC was really good, winning the tournament title, um, having a, a a school record of wins and finishing the year is the number one team in the AP, number one overall seed. I think this team goes down as the best in Alabama basketball history. Um, and that is even though they didn't get as far as the 014, that, that 014 that went to the Elite Eight uh, wasn't a great team. They were a team. Uh, that got on a run and uh, got to the Elite Eight. They were playing great, uh, and and that's how it goes sometimes. You got to be really good. You got to be playing well. And Alabama was playing well. Just you know, ran into one of those nights that happens against real, uh, against good teams. Uh, but this this is a great group, and it's one of the reasons I think Alabama fans, including myself, are are disappointed for our players. Uh, because this has been such a fun group to watch, to root for, to see their success, to see their camaraderie, to see them grow together and lean on each other uh, when times are tough. Uh, so it, it's just disappointing when it ends. Uh, and I hate it for our guys that it did. Um, but they had an incredible year. And they'll go down in history uh, as one of the best, if not the best, in school history. Brian, Corey Miller here. I remember uh, the Gamecocks with Frank Martin. Uh, you know, we're not known as a basketball school, but they had a phenomenal run. And 
uh, got to the Final Four and beat Duke and some other great basketball teams. So uh, for Alabama fans uh, covering the team, I understand how it all works and what it feels like. But what I want to ask you, though, uh, looking forward, because this team, we know Brandon Miller is going to be a lottery pick. Uh, but they have other guys that uh, may draw, will draw a huge NBA interest. Uh, can Nate Oates with the day in the world of NIL maybe keep some of those guys back here at Alabama and not go to the NBA and then what guys they have coming in? Can you talk about that and what's, what's the decision probably going to be with some of those those guys? Yeah, I think uh, Brandon Miller, I mean, if, if he was asking me, which he's not, he's smart to not ask me, I, I think uh, he, he ought to make the move. I mean, he, he's the best player in college basketball, uh, and he's going to be a great pro. I can't wait to follow him. I think he's a NBA all-star and, and potentially an NBA MVP-type player one day. Uh, but there are several other guys that had great years uh, that will have a chance to, to get drafted high, and they'll have decisions to make, and other guys – um, that you know may decide to go pro uh, and or may decide to stay. I, I think the state of the program, regardless of who who uh, stays and who leaves, is in as good a place as it's ever been um, because of uh, the success of the program, the style of play, the development of these guys, and that's an area uh, that I don't think gets talked about enough with Nate Oates and his staff. Um, you look at his track record of developing players, not just to become better college players, but ultimately to go to the NBA and have success is off the charts. And it's a big reason why Brandon Miller and Noah Clowney uh, came uh, to Alabama because, yeah, they wanted to win and they wanted to be developed. And, and every great high school basketball player uh, wants to play in the NBA uh, and, and have, a, have a chance uh, to play at the next level. And in Alabama, you can do those things. And I think with the success of this year's team and the success of Brandon Miller and Noah Clowney and others, um, it, it just it, – it, it, it really um, – recruiting's never easy, but it makes it a little easier uh, when you can um, see what Alabama has done on the court from a success standpoint, from a championship standpoint, and from a player development standpoint. Um, we talked it on, about it on the broadcast after the game. Uh, that game uh, on on Saturday or on uh, Friday was disappointing. I mean, that, that was a disappointing loss for a team that um, wanted and felt like they could compete and win a national championship. So uh, that was a disappointing night, but it, it, it is far from a disappointing season. It's an incredible season. And maybe bigger than that, where the program is, is uh, something that, that I couldn't be more excited about. This is a program that's going to a Final Four. I don't know what year. I don't know when. Uh, but if you put yourself in a position with great players, great coaches, and consistency, uh, you're going to have a chance to do that. Alabama's been in the tournament now three straight years with three really good seeds um, and won four championships in three years. Uh, recruiting class is great. The guys that will be returning are getting better, and they've had a taste of success. Um, winning um, breeds winning. And this program has done a lot of that. And that's uh, that's who Nate Oates is, and that's what this program is now. So uh, as disappointed as I am about that particular game, uh, one game out of whatever, 35, 36, uh, that does not take away uh, from 
the the excitement around this program uh, with the success they had this year and for me um, more importantly the success to come Brian as we go to break did you fill out a bracket I did not okay I was going to ask if you had any of the four remaining in your bracket because I, I don't I don't actually don't know many people that I do tell you, all right, so some I'll people tell you, might I'll have you real quick I had I, I just I looked at a bracket and I wrote down some teams that I thought would make a run that were underseeded. I did have I, I thought San Diego State uh, would play Alabama and I, obviously I thought I, I hoped Alabama win that game but I thought San Diego State was better than their seed I thought that Duke was better than their seed so I got that one wrong um, I also thought UConn uh, and Creighton. Those are the teams that I thought uh, looked to be better. And, and all those teams, with, with one exception, um, you know, or had, had great NCAA tournaments. Unfortunately, San Diego State was in the wrong bracket. Uh, <laughs> yeah. <laughs> that was, uh, that's how it goes sometimes. But they're good and deserving, and Final Four is going to be a lot of fun. It's not what any of us expected, uh, but it is, it's always going to be fun. Thank you for your generous time throughout the season. Uh, we'll let you have a little time off. We'll get you back on in the summer, and we'll talk some other, some more basketball then. But thank you, Brian Passing, very much. Always enjoy. Appreciate y'all having me this year, guys. Thank you, Brian. Thanks, Great Brian. stuff. Uh, when we get back, we're going to have to let Lars vent on the Blue Jays or about the Blue Jays or act like a Blue Jay, which notoriously, that's a very mean bird. We'll be right back on Big Noon Sports. to the Plains. This is Alabama's most in-depth analysis on the SEC. This is Big Noon Sports. From our home base in Birmingham, Alabama. We are here treating patients from every generation across the United States and from around the world. We're here for the rookies and the dreamers trying to make a name for themselves. We are here for the achievers who are resilient and won't take no for an answer. We're here for the coaches, athletic trainers, and mentors who are shaping the next generation of legends. We are here for you. Aggressively pursuing victory over injury. Learn more at andrewsportsmedicine.com. You know, you don't want to sit there and say, well, that's the only reason why, you know, said such team won the game. But it definitely impacted, right? It definitely made a, a, a big difference in the ball game, And I hate that. I mean, I had to kind of take myself and, and push me back a little bit because I used to get so angry watching games with the officials making some of these absurd calls and um, that, that really – you know, it determines the outcome. Let's just be real about that. So, um, I don't know. I mean, I don't know all the college basketball rules or if there – I know there are some replays, right, that, that they can look at certain things or the challenges in basketball. Is Can a coach challenge somebody? Maybe help me out there because I don't know all the not, – Not on a foul like that. Okay. Uh, once that's – now, out of bounds and tips and goaltending and stuff like that inside of two minutes, they can review just about everything, but – uh, they can't. They and they should have been able but to why, review but that. But why wouldn't they? That, that's my question. For like, why are there rules against reviewing certain things? If you want more parity in these games and you want more accuracy on these calls, I don't see why you. I mean, unless you're going against, you're fighting the time limit, and you're not, you don't want games to you know be prolonged. I, I just don't understand why you wouldn't review these things. That way, we're not sitting here on a Monday discussing if it was a foul or not. When you could just go to the camera system. I mean, nowadays they have cameras everywhere. So I, I wish they would just review pretty much everything at this point. 
And guys, this well, is you want the same me, thing for football too? Oh, it reminded me of uh, the, the 2002-03 BCS national title game between uh, Ohio State and Miami, when in overtime, that late late flag was thrown, uh, calling pass interference on Miami, which essentially handed Ohio State the game. Right. Oh and looking back, that ended the Miami run of dominance like that. That call right there ended the run of dominance. Mm-hmm. And I'm just wondering from Christian and, and Corey's perspective, do you do you recall any time in your career where such a critical, controversial call was made so late in a game that you guys were playing in? Uh, I mean, Lars, I lost a national championship on this man. Like, what do you mean? They don't yeah, on the no pick play with Clay Clemson. I mean, it, yeah. look, but this well, past it, season. The Tennessee game, I mean, everybody's crying about that. I mean, it, it's it's all the time. That's why I'm saying I'm not just basketball, football, damn every sport. Like, just there's all these cameras all over the place. Just review every call. We don't have this issue. That's I mean, because, again, I understand human error. Like, I'm not trying to get on a ref. I mean, I, I, I miss hella calls if I was if I was a ref. I mean, my eye, uh, eyesight is not great. But if that's what these cameras are for, you know. Well, I will, every time I rushed the pass in almost 10 years in NFL, they was holding. Derrick <laughs> Williams, you know, Lachey, you know, the Hogs offensive line, the Cowboys, all of them just cheat. Tight ends, you cheat. And I wish they had a camera system that could make all them holding calls. Nah, I mean, they, yeah. no, they see those. Yeah. They shoot now. Nah, I mean, they, yeah, they, they know that, though. I don't remember any specific, <laughs> you know, but I, I do remember the Alabama game because I didn't talk to my wife for twelve hour drive back home. <laughs> oh really? Oh, oh man! I, oh, I was so mad. I wanted to punch everybody in sight. <laughs> uh, I almost called a charge. She's a she's a Clemson grad. Yeah. Uh, so uh, Christian, you're, you're, you're uh, saying wow. Okay. No wonder you did. Christian, hey guys, we have we have got to go to break. There's no question about it. <laughs> we'll continue this conversation on Big Noon Sports. Covering SEC sports like Kudzu on the roadside. This is Big Noon Sports. You've probably seen their clothing around town on game days, but check out Christopher Mobley on the Strip. It's luxury game day apparel redefined. It's the only place in town where you can find Todd Hoops apparel. Clothing designed for the modern day entrepreneur, golf enthusiast, and athleisure fanatic. They've got Peter Millar, Viore, Grayson, and Mizzenamane. And if you haven't tried the Mizzenamane dress shirts, you've got to. You can find them at 1410 University Boulevard on the Strip. Also, they've got a great e-commerce site at ChristopherMobley.shop. So check out Christopher Mobley, luxury game day apparel redefined. From our home base in Birmingham, Alabama, we are here treating patients from every generation across the United States and from around the world. We're here for the rookies and the dreamers trying to make a name for themselves. We are here for the achievers who are resilient and won't take no for an answer. We're here for the coaches, athletic trainers, and mentors who are shaping the next generation of legends. We are here for you. Aggressively pursuing victory over injury. Learn more at andrewsportsmedicine.com. The story of the nurse and the foot pain that nearly brought him down. I feel like I'm giving people their lives back. Robert lived to take care of his patients, but he couldn't do it unless he took care of his foot pain. I have plantar fasciitis. It'll almost put you on your knees. That's how much it hurts. His own recovery started when he got fitted for arch supports at the Good Feet store. Now that I'm pain-free, I can make these people feel better. Can't beat that. Stop by or schedule your free fitting at goodfeet.com. 
Hey, this is Reagan, owner of R&R Cigars, the Cigar Mansion in downtown Tuscaloosa, located at 2703 6th Street across from the Home Two Suites. Come down to R&R and see why we're the ultimate cigar and bourbon experience. With over 165 bourbons and five private barrels, our selection of bourbon is unmatched. We have the best cocktails around and our cigar selection is legendary. Our lounge and service are world-class. Come and experience the luxury of the mansion and see why it's a world-renowned cigar and spirits destination. Coming up, Coming up on the game with Ryan Fowler. Complete recap of Alabama, the weekend, starting at 2 o'clock. We'll talk to Barrett Salee. We'll talk to Drew DeArmond and a lot more. Starting at 2 o'clock, your phone calls right here on the game on Tide 100.9, the home of Alabama Crimson Tide Sports. The longest-running sports program in Tuscaloosa. The game with Ryan Fowler. Weekdays from 2 to 6 p.m. on Tide 100.9 and streaming on the Tide 100.9 app. 365, 24-7. You'll find road and utility crews, tow trucks, law enforcement, and first responders working along Alabama's roadway. We're making improvements and helping our communities stay connected. We're working hard to make sure you're safe on the road. Now we need your help to make sure we're safe, too. Alabama's move over law requires you to move over a lane when you see flashing lights on the roadside. And if you can't safely move over, please slow down. Visit drivesafealabama.org. Brought to you by the Alabama Department of Transportation, Alabama Broadcast Association and this station. Tide 100.9 Tuscaloosa weather. A mixture of clouds and sunshine this afternoon. Just a small chance of a shower through tonight. The better chance of rain stays to the south. The high today 71. The low tonight 42. For tomorrow, partially sunny. The chance of a shower stays small. The high 62. I'm James Spann on the ABC 3340 Weather Center on Tide 100.9. It's 76 degrees in Tuscaloosa. The best sports talk in the state. Tide 100.9 and streaming on the Tide 100.9 app. Hey, welcome back to Big Noon Sports. Lars Anderson, Matt Coulter, along with the Millers, both Corey and Christian at our Tide 100.9 studios. Um... To the Millers, uh, Christian, you certainly mentioned the pick play that um, kind of took a national championship away from Alabama. But um, were there any other calls that you remember? I think Corey said he didn't remember any specifically, but I'm just curious if you remember another one. Of course, then again, y'all didn't lose many. You didn't lose many games, Christian. So uh, I don't know if you've got an, another answer to that question or not. I mean, I don't think I need another answer, Matt. I think that speaks for itself. I mean, losing the national championship. I mean, <laughs> that's one bad memory enough. I mean, I don't need any more than that. I mean, hell, there's probably more if I look back on it. But I'm not trying to get in a whole grudge match with refs right now. I just, like I said, it's, it's part of the game. I understand that. I just don't. If we can go to the cameras and the review system for all these other things, I just don't see why you can't do it in these critical moments, you know, like that are so pivotal in these games and that are that are deciding the, the uh, you know, if a team is going to play for a championship or not or winning a championship or not. Uh, I mean, we have the technology for a reason, so I'd, you might as well utilize it. Like I said, the only thing I could I could understand would be the issue would be maybe a time constraint. You know, obviously reviews, we don't like them. They, they take forever. But I mean, sometimes I feel like they're just necessary, and uh, if 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 it helps um, create more parity and allows you know accurate calls to be called or not called, I'm all for it. I mean, hell, even in NASCAR, I mean, if they got to go to the review system to see who caused a wreck or which 
which bumpers cross the line or whatever. I mean, you know more about that than I do, man. I'm, I'm all for cameras and reviews in any and every sport. Yeah, speaking of they, technology, guys, why do we still have the chain gang in football? <laughs> That's a good question. I have no idea. I mean, all right, I, I will say no. You I, can't I, cut I, their payroll. Well, you can't cut <laughs> payroll. We can't. We can't change too much either, Lars. I mean, like, I, like I said, I like technology, but at the same time, I'm simple and old school. I don't want to change stuff too much where everything's completely digital. That would that would just suck. I mean, I, I, you got to keep some of it. But in terms of if, if it's you know bettering the game, if it's improving the game, yeah, I'm all for it. Well, I think it's probably there a lot for the fans, for the play-by-play guys, because that gives you a visual. If there's nothing over there, how are you going to say if they get a first down or or not? Or well, you'll you get, you'll get, some, you'll get some kind of yeah. something piped yeah. into your system, your TV, your monitor that would tell you they got. I mean, if they did something like that, like you would have access as a you know play-by-play or color analyst, something that's on your screen that would you know. But as a player, they're important, though. I, I mean, mean yeah, I was about to say on the field, I know it's important. Well, I mean, I'm always you looking can look at there some electronically and see that it's second and five or third, third and two. Oh, yeah. I mean, you, you know, you'd be, able to, with that. you'd be able to see what, what the, the down distance and the yardage is. So, I, I mean, yeah, I mean, them guys get in the way. I mean, they're in the way. You know what I mean? Yeah, so yeah, it's like, get out of the way. <laughs> <laughs> it's, like, it's true. Oh, we got to get to the top of the hour break when we get back next hour uh, at 115. Mike Rodak from AL.com will be joining us as we continue on Big Noon Sports. From our home base in Birmingham, Alabama, we are here treating patients from every generation across the United States and from around the world. We're here for the rookies and the dreamers trying to make a name for themselves. We are here for the achievers who are resilient and won't take no for an answer. We're here for the coaches, athletic trainers and mentors who are shaping the next generation of legends. We are here for you aggressively pursuing victory over injury. Learn more at andrewsportsmedicine.com. HD2 Northport and W265CG Tuscaloosa. Tide 100.9 and screaming on the Tide 100.9 app. Welcome back to Big Noon Sports with Lars Anderson, Matt Coulter, and Christian Miller. We broke in for halftime, and we're coming out of the portals now. Uh, both the Millers are in our studios at Tide 100.9. That's Corey and Christian, Matt Coulter, and Lars Anderson with you, along with uh, Joe and Justin and the rest of the gang that's producing the show for us. Appreciate them, as always. As you would imagine, I mean, we're talking about Final Four. The Owls, the Aztecs, the Hurricanes, and the Huskies. Um, Lars, I don't know if you completed a bracket or not, um, or if the Millers did, but... Anybody that was able to pick this should. I, I would like them to pick my lottery numbers. <laughs> yeah, no, this has been uh, a, a wild tournament filled with uh, upsets, but I think it also underscores just how much parity there is in college basketball and uh, and re- really in college sports. And I think it is a reflection for right now, at least, of the transfer portal. Um, and, uh, and, and, but yeah, I mean, there's no, there's just not a dominant team this year in college basketball. We thought it was Alabama, not Alabama. Um, I I tell you what, though, I I like San Diego state's chances (laughs) that team because it it was, you know, in talking to the coach, 
right? Uh, the reporter asked him what 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 he what he thought about it going into the Final Four, and he's like, "Well, I know one thing: our defense is going to travel with us wherever we go." And so that is that is definitely their hallmark. And the, the fact that they were able to really stifle Alabama and, again, stifle uh, a very talented Creighton team. Um, and if you guys remember, like, I, I really thought Creighton was going to knock off Alabama in that in that round to get to the final four. But, uh, yeah, I, 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 I tell you, I, I like San Diego State. How about you? How about you, Corey? Moving into the Final Four, I mean, I think UConn probably would be considered the favorite of the four teams still standing, but uh, I like San Diego State. Yeah, you know, when you look at, uh, you know, as I said early, early on, I know in basketball you look at these teams like a San Diego State. They don't have one and doneers. They don't have McDonald All Americans that come into your program and exit very quickly to the NBA. They have guys that's been around the program that has bought into a system. Uh, you talked about the defense that travels. And when you play in uh, teams like Alabama's very talented, well, they, they they play a lot of basketball together. They play great defense. And, and you got a lot of young guys like Alabama had, but but really, you know, not not uh, a senior lane team. You know, they're very inexperienced and they get beat. We've seen that with Kentucky for a number of years. Well, I look at the, the Final Four. FAU is a fun team to watch. Um, don't know really a lot about them except for when you say FAU, I think of Lane Kiffin. If that's, <laughs> I don't think of basketball, I think of Lane Kiffin, FAU. But um, I like UConn. I'm, I'm good friends with uh, Bill Murray. Uh, I'm, I'm planning this tournament here coming up in a few weeks. His son coaches uh, on UConn's basketball team. That's why you see Bill Murray at all the basketball games. Um, and so I'm going to pull and I'm going to say UConn, who is the only team that most people are going to have any kind of recognition with. And I think we can say UConn has been a team that's won several national championships and very well known. Uh, I've been pulling for and, and picking, you know, the number one, the best teams throughout this tournament, and it haven't served me well. But daggummit, I'm going to stay with it. I'm going UConn. I just cannot see FAU. I can't see San Diego State, the Aztecs. I can't see it. I'm going to the National Championship. I'm glad that they're there. They can have fun in H-Town. Um, you know, there's nobody going to be hard at the game, so if you want a ticket, I'm pretty sure you can find one very easily and probably a lot cheaper than normal um, if you want to go. But I'm taking UConn. I think UConn, Hurley, uh, family of basketball, tradition. UConn is a tradition of a powerhouse basketball team over the years. And Bill Murray, Caddyshack, they win it all. Yeah, it's, it's funny. You know. I just, just real quick, Matt. Sorry to interrupt. Uh, Final four tickets right now are as cheap as seventy bucks. I mean, <laughs> it's all time low. So if anybody wants to go to a Final Four and uh, take a quick flight over to Houston, this would be the year to take it in. Hey, I gotta, I gotta kind of hop, stop the mics here for a minute. Corey, mm-hmm. give us a couple of Bill Murray stories. I mean, that guy's just. He's incredibly talented, and I, I've seen him act in serious roles where he killed it. But 
Caddyshack, Carl Speckler, I just doesn't get any better than that. Did you play golf rounds with him? Is he funny on the course like you would oh think? Oh, my God. He's, he's hilarious. He's, uh, you know, Bill is, um, I know him through a great friend of mine, Chris Sheeler, who runs all of his uh, fundraising uh, efforts and put together a celebrity golf event. And uh, Chris and I are great friends. And, and, and so I've had to, you know, through him, uh, became a Bill and, and all of the Murray brothers. And of course, he lost his brother a little over a year ago, a couple of years ago. But man, he is hilarious. And I mean, on the on, during the tournament, you know, you got a DJ going on. I mean, there's all kind of tricky things happening. I mean, uh, you know, some pretty girls all around the tournament. I would put it like that. <laughs> you know, so, uh, you know, they have a concert, and and, and I got some video if I see if I can find it. Uh, but uh, Bill loves to sing, you know, and uh, he gets up and he does his thing. And you do too. And, and yeah, and I'm a yeah. I'm Bill's backup singer. I got to find that video. I'll send it to you. Are you Bill Murray's pip? <laughs> I guess I could be. Bill, Bill <laughs> pip. <laughs> I almost thought you said the other word. Uh, no, he probably doesn't need one of those. But no, I meant like as in Gladys Knight and yeah, yeah, no, but he's uh, not. He's, okay. a, he's a good dude. But Bill is, you know, Bill is the type of guy you know lives in Charleston a lot. He's one of his homes, and he owns the uh, minor league baseball team there. Um, forget the name of him, but um, uh, I've been there. He had me come there before, and just a good dude, man. Been you know been to dinner with him, but he can be, you know, Bill is a private guy too. He likes to you know have his space, so sometimes not good for a fan just to approach and ask for autographs and pictures. He sometimes he might get a uh, a response you don't want, but I'm assuming a lot of you know famous people are like that. But but other than that, he, he's uh, he's a super dude, super dude. Uh, yeah, I heard occasionally he likes to kind of mix it up physically, you know. Oh, he mixes it up now. He can yeah. dance too, man. He loves to dance. I mean, oh uh, really? Oh yeah. We, we have a nice party after party because uh, of the Renaissance. You know, the, the event is in St. Augustine at the World of Golf. I mean, I'm sure a lot of people know what it is. We play the King and the Bear and the Squirrel and the Squire. I think that's what it's called. And uh, everything, the hotel, the whole facility is just rented out for the weekend, man. Such a phenomenal time. Hey, if you, anybody want to go participate, I will be auctioning off uh, some uh, uh, passes for that to play in a tournament that they have given me uh, for my ministry, Giants for Christ. So hit me up on giantsforchrist.net. If you're interested, they will be auctioning off. If you want to go to St. Augustine, have a great weekend, meet the Murray brothers, Bill Murray, and dance and have some good golf, hey, you can do that. Hey, what was the website again? Giants4Christ.net. And oh. you can shoot me a message, or you just when, pastor. We need to put that on our Twitter feed and on a website yeah. to Come try and help you out there. Me, it's what a great cause. Christian been a couple of events with me, some celebrity events. They're pretty fun. Always fun, yeah. That's kind of how I got into golf myself. So you playing? You hitting I, the ball okay these days? Absolutely. I imagine with your house situation, you yeah, I don't get a chance. I don't have a chance to play no, very much. I don't get to play much. No, but I, I absolutely play. I mean, I. Got introduced to golf since I was, you know, young. I remember riding around on the car with my dad when I was young. So I've been around it a while, and I started taking a little more serious in high school. I actually lived on the golf course um, for a little bit in high school. Used to kind of sneak out there. I, <laughs> I, I don't even know if I even had like a membership. My house literally was like on one of the holes. I used to just go sneak on the hole after the course and just go and <laughs> go play that same hole. But anyway, yeah, I, you know, I played in college a good bit, but yeah, I don't get to play as much as I like, but I'm not bad. I was shocked that you, you last week I was listening to you guys. Y'all were talking about something with golf and golf tournaments, and um, I thought you'd bring up the fact that. 
the Monday after the Masters, which is coming up in a couple of weeks, to Hootie the Bowfish event, that you got a chance to meet Tiger Woods and his father, who were, I think we were playing right behind them years ago. I said, he must not remember. You got up, was having a conversation. I was like, well, Christian, tell him he met Tiger. You talking about Tiger Woods and, Dude, and his I'm, dad. I think I was like an infant. He was probably like six, be. seven. If that. But Tiger Woods. If you know that, I mean? No, if that, I don't. Who I don't, who don't remember that. meeting Tiger Woods? You know? Obviously, I don't, because I love him now. I would have <laughs> brought that up. I, or you could have told him about when we were at the Ferrix house, Jim Figgy. You, no, you, I, you had the Ryder Cup trophy. No, that's, took a picture. No, 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 I remember that, because I was yeah. like 19. Yeah, I hope I hope I remember that one. Um, <laughs> well, I'm yeah. glad I still remember these things. That's, that means I don't have CTE, right, guys? I'm good. Well, maybe I, maybe <laughs> I do. Oh, like, that's, that's uh, so you didn't you didn't have a selfie made with Tiger when you were like two years old, it's Christian? Mad. I, I don't even know if cell phones <laughs> were was like seven. I, I was not. I was not seven. My brother might have been seven because he's three years older than me. I, I, trust me. I, I remember some stuff from around that age. Specifically, I think I really just remember getting the wind knocked out of me my first football practice. And that was, you know, that, that was unfortunate. <laughs> I, I got back in there. We told that story. But I, I remember that. I remember running up and down the sidelines of my brother's football games when I was like flips. four or five. Yeah, doing backflips and stuff. It's quite the gymnast. Um, Earl Woods passed away in May of 2006. So yeah, see, so he ha- definitely has to have his time because in 2006 I would have been 10. This was like 96, 97 ish. <laughs> oh, you would have been really young. You born ninety three? Maybe you do have CTE, man. Nine, I was born in ninety six. Maybe I do. <laughs> I keep thinking you're older than you, but you act like you're 50, though. That, that's you're that's, not that's, wrong there. Oh, you're God. You're not wrong there. No, that, that, he Corey, my brother words have never brother. been spoken on the <laughs> <Yeah>. show. Uh, <laughs> and that's not man. necessarily a negative, Christian. <laughs> you know, I, 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 We're a lot of young people. He's an old dude. I think you embrace it. Yeah, no, I do pretty much. I'm an old man trapped in a young athletic body. Unfortunately, oh, I'm the exact opposite. <laughs> yeah, there you are. <laughs> in that room in Tuscaloosa right now. Uh, <laughs> you got his hair gel and his tank got, top uh, on. Y'all gonna go to Reagan's stuff. afterwards? Uh, but, uh, <laughs> yeah, I am. Okay, game college right. basketball game, baby. I gotta get ready. Let's go. That's yep, indeed. Uh, UAB plays tonight. Hey, when we get back, Mike Rodak of AL.com will join us on Big Noon Sports. Best sports talk in Alabama. This is Big Noon Sports. Tide 100.9, Tuscaloosa weather. A mixture of clouds and sunshine this afternoon. Just a small chance of a shower through tonight. The better chance of rain stays to the south. The high today, 71. The low tonight, 42. For tomorrow, partially sunny. The chance of a shower stays small. The high, 62. I'm James Spann on the ABC 3340 Weather Center on Tide 100.9. It's 75 degrees in Tuscaloosa. What's going on with the Crimson Tide? Download the Tide 100.9 app today. Hey, we're back on Big Noon Sports. We've got Corey and Christian Miller along with Matt Coulter and Lars Anderson. And uh, joining us now from AL.com is Mike Rodak. Mike, uh, 
other than the obvious reason, you know, I know you would like to have been going to Houston, but um, how are things in Louisville? And I asked um, Brian Passink this very same question we had him on about an hour ago. So, um, could could you feel uh, what was it like in the locker room? I know you don't go in the locker room, but metaphorically speaking, how did this team feel after losing to San Diego State? Yeah, Louisville was decent. I mean, it was my first time really in the city, and weather was definitely different than Birmingham. I think it was, you know, kind of cool and cloudy. And, you know, the arena wasn't really packed. Um, I thought it would be a little bit more of a, you know, sellout type crowd for a Sweet 16 game, but there was a decent amount of empty seats. I think I counted, and I was just looking at one side of the arena, there was like 10 to 15 suites that were just completely empty for a pretty good game, I thought. So. Yeah, that was a little bit surprising. I mean, it was definitely an Alabama-friendly crowd, which you would expect. You know, it's closer than San Diego State, but it wasn't as dominating uh, of an advantage, I would say, as it was Birmingham. Um, so, you know, the crowd, I, I don't think, played a huge role in the game. There was that kind of one run they made early in the second half where the fans definitely got into it, kind of ended on that Pringle dunk, and then San Diego State came came back after that, and you could hear their fans, you know, the last few minutes of the game. So, um, you know, in terms of like, the mood, I, I actually – there was an open locker room. I, I didn't happen to go in after this one because um, I was with the players and, and Oates at the podium. But, um, you know, I think there was a certain amount of positivity as there was two years ago, you know, when they lost UCLA in overtime, as, you know, there was to some extent last year when they lost to Notre Dame. Um, I, you know, just from my perspective, I don't know if it's quite as warranted as it was both of those years. You could say the first year, like they had gone so far with that team and, that was a great accomplishment last year. Um, you know, that obviously is a team that kind of collapsed um, and, you know, just didn't really have it. This year, this team had it. Um, we all saw it for a very good chunk of the season. And for them to, to kind of have a nine-point lead in the second half and, and have that just completely flip where San Diego State is a nine-point lead a few minutes later, that was pretty shocking to me. And, um, you know, it was a great season is kind of what they said and, and all that, but for it to end like that, I think was um, a pretty sour note. Mike, uh, Brandon Miller had a historically poor NCAA tournament. Uh, only player since 1960 to shoot under 20% with a minimum of 40 attempts from the field. What's your explanation for uh, Brandon Miller's performance? That's a good question. I think there's a combination of things. I think the groin was clearly affecting him, probably more so in Birmingham than what I could notice in Louisville. And these are pretty good seats that we have for these NCAA tournament games. You can kind of look at guys' faces and you get a pretty up-close look of how they're running and just kind of get a feel for how they're feeling. Like you could tell Charles Bediaco was feeling it because of his leg um, during that game. You could just see it in his face. I didn't quite see that as much with Miller as I did going back to the Birmingham games and you know, I'm sure his groin was a problem to some extent, but at the same time, he had six days off before this game, which you'd expect, you know, he'd get better um, just health-wise. So, you know, that's a percentage of it. I think just the fact that he's 19 and um, playing an NCAA tournament game, and this is kind of, this is obviously his first year. He's a freshman. This is all new to him. I think just the, you know, just the, the rawness of it for him um, is, is probably a factor. And then I'd say on top of that, just sort of the weight of, you know, everything that's gone on with him the last month, I'm sure mentally has weighed on him. Um, and it, it also seems like more and more they relied on Brendan Miller, even more than they did in the middle of the season. Like if Brendan Miller wasn't scoring in this tournament, 
Um, if they weren't playing defense, they were in trouble. And that wasn't always the case during the season. Like, There's other guys that really stepped up, whether it was Sears or um, Clowney or, or Bradley. There was always another guy, and there just really wasn't. I mean, quarterly to some extent in March, but um, he didn't have a great game either on Friday night. And just there was never that second guy who really came to the plate. Mike, I got uh, two questions for you. One, uh, Nate Oates, longtime assistant, Brian Hodgson, he's leaving uh, to take the head coaching position at Arkansas State. Now, how is that going to be um, for Coach Oates to replace a guy that's been with him for so long, You know, one of the best recruiters out there? Um, how difficult will that be to replace him? And also, um, in terms of other guys that we could potentially see leave um, early, um, obviously, Brandon Miller, I think, is a lock to leave. You know, he's going to be a projected lottery pick. Are there any other underclassmen that you see, um, you know, foregoing the rest of their college careers and entering the draft or, or staying behind? Yeah, I'll start with Hodgson. I mean, definitely a, a loss for a guy who I think Nate Oates really trusted and has kind of been with him longer than most. Um, you know, Charlie Henry, obviously, being the other assistant that he lost. Charlie Henry coached with him at Romulus High School. Um, Josh Baker was another guy who was with Oates for a while who ended up leaving a couple years ago. But Hodgson's been around, and he knows Oates, and he knows what he wants. Um, and, you know, I think it, it was time. Obviously, you're here for four years. You've had a lot of success, and that's kind of when guys tend to, to leave and go elsewhere and get head coaching jobs. And in this case, you have Jeff Pierrenton, who's at Arkansas State, and, and obviously saw him up close when Pierrenton was at Alabama and yeah. um, felt comfortable with him being a head coach. Um, you know, in terms of replacing him, I, you know, there's there's definitely recruiters out there in college basketball, and I think once you know this program has been elevated to such a level that I think you're able to attract pretty good coaches to come to Alabama and to be with Nate Oates. So, um, you know, I, I think they can definitely replace him. I think it's more just is he on the same page with what Oates wants in recruiting? Um, does he kind of know the lay of the land at Alabama in terms of NIL and what they're trying to do there? You know, those would be, I think, the the learning curves uh, that they'll have to meet. But um, in terms of the yeah, players, I I don't think anybody should have any shred of hope that Brandon Miller is coming back. I obviously he's a top three, top five pick in the draft. He's he's not coming back. But um, beyond that, you know, Noah Clowney I think is, is a question mark, and it seemed like he was getting momentum in the middle of the season to maybe be a late first round pick um, because of his size and his ability to shoot, his ability to move and play defense. It seems, and I haven't done a ton of research on this in the last couple of days, but probably not quite to that level. Maybe second-round pick is, is kind of where he might be. So could he benefit from coming back another year? Yes. Could he go out? Sure. I think that's kind of the borderline one right now. Um, beyond that, I don't, you know, there's nobody really draft-wise that I would expect to come out. Jaden Bradley um, is a guy who I think could certainly benefit from a lot more playing time in college. He didn't get much playing time down the stretch. He only played five minutes of this game. I think he played seven minutes uh, of the game before that. So that's not a whole lot. Um, so, you know, if you're kind of asking me historically what sort of guys might consider a transfer are the guys who don't play a lot. You know, would Jaden Bradley consider a transfer if he's not happy with his playing time down the stretch? I don't know. Like, I haven't had a chance to, to really approach that, obviously, yet. But I, I wouldn't be surprised if there are maybe one or two guys who kind of explore the, the transfer portal and see what they can do elsewhere. But, you know, I think generally it's going to be a similar team to what they had this year, minus Brandon Miller. And that's a pretty big minus. Mike, Corey Miller here. You know, when you talk about guys maybe transferring, hitting the portal, but also the portal benefits, right? Uh, you know, uh, NATO's had a couple guys, I believe, that came in uh, last year that played uh, influential minutes. Uh, 
a guy that uh, I heard his name drop, Timmy, uh, that uh, maybe a guy Alabama could have his sights. Maybe you go try to recruit a guy like that with a, with a nice NIL deal that can fill an immediate void of a score, of a, a guy that can be really good on a post. I mean, the guy's footwork is phenomenal. You know, kind of a throwback-looking player. Uh, but uh, could this be a guy that, hey, you know, he's got two years, I believe, right, a COVID year uh, uh, and another year. So could he be a potential guy if he doesn't head to the NBA? Uh, I missed the name. I missed the name you, you gave. Timmy, I don't know, uh, from uh, Gonzaga. Gonzaga? Uh, I think he's... I think he's out of eligibility. As far as I know, I'd have to double check that. Um, or I think his college career is over. Is he um, done? At, at yeah, I'm pretty sure he's done at, at Gonzaga. Um, I mean, they, they certainly could look in the portal. Um, and there's been, I think, four or five different names where, um, you know, there's been reported interest in them. Um, and more smaller school guys, you know, there's not, I think there's one guy out of USC. Um, and I haven't done a ton of research on who specifically these guys are, and I'm sure there'll be a longer list to explore. But they have room for maybe two guys from the portal, one or two. Um, when you count, you know, they have four freshmen coming in. Um, you know, I think they could certainly use a scorer because you're going to have to replace Brandon Miller's production. They could probably use a big man. Um, even if Betty Ako and Clowney are back and you have Pringle in that mix, you're losing Noah Gurley. Um, so you, you're going to need, uh, you know, potentially an experienced big man um, if they can find that. But it's not – I don't know if it would be quite as – you know, last year they were able to get Sears, who became an instant starter. Uh, I think Welch, Dominic Welch, they would have loved uh, to play a bigger role. Just, you know, he had the injuries early on, just never kind of came together. I don't know if they'll lean quite as much on the portal this year, but um, I, I would expect them to add, you know, one or two guys. Now, Drew, uh, Joe didn't enlighten me. Drew Timmy is his name, but he does have a graduate transfer year and a COVID year if he he does not choose to go in the NBA. He does. Okay, have, yeah, I, yeah. I hadn't thought of that. I, I know I was watching his, his post game at, at Gonzaga, and it kind of seemed like he was done uh, as far as college basketball goes, just in sort of the way he was talking. Uh, but, you know, I guess anything's possible there. Yeah. Might have lost Matt. I think Matt uh, had one more question. Yeah, uh, um, yeah, yeah, yeah. I got, I got it. I'm sorry, y'all, y'all got me now. Yes, sir. I was wondering about uh, your view, uh, and we we text each other the other night about this, but I want to put it on air. Your thoughts about the officiating, and in my view, that uh, San Diego State was fouling every trip down the court, and there's only so many of the officials are willing to call. Also. Did you notice uh, anything about the slickness and the newness of the basketballs? Yeah, yeah, a couple things there. As far as the fouls, I, I think they were letting them play, it seemed like, to me. And it kind of wasn't totally consistent throughout the game for 40 minutes, whether they were letting them play or not. But it, just from sitting there, it didn't really seem to me like it was one-sided. Um, you know, I think there's I, – I think Alabama actually had an advantage in, in terms of the free throws that they shot. Um you know, I I don't know if that was the reason why they lost. I think it was, you know, the fact that they went three of twenty seven from three and and they couldn't shoot the ball, especially down the stretch. Um, you know, that was that was probably the biggest factor. But yeah, there were some issues with. Um, I think the the inflation of the basketball was the biggest thing that had been discussed going into the game, where um, they're potentially overinflating the basketball a little bit more than these players are used to. And you can tell early in the game on on both sides that they seem to be dribbling it pretty high. 
and that was leading to a couple turnovers, you know, just to my eye. Um, and that obviously is true for both sides. I mean, the ball is going to be the same for both sides. But the other thing, too, and I noticed in Louisville, a lot of guys were going to the floor. Um, I don't know if the floor is a little bit slick or, or what the deal was there, but a lot of guys kind of slipping and falling. And um, again, it's, it's something that's both sides have to deal with, but definitely evident just kind of sitting there and watching. Tell everybody how they can keep up with you. you know, obviously, they can follow you on AL.com. What other platforms is Mike Rodak available? Yeah, you can follow me on Twitter at Mike Rodak. And like you said, AL.com is, is the best place to go. Hey, thank you, Mike. We appreciate you joining us. You've yeah, been very generous you, with your time during the basketball season. And you got don't it. worry, we'll, we'll call on you again very soon. Thanks, man. <laughs> you got it. Thank you. All right. Uh, all right. Uh, bottom of the hour, we need to take our break. When we get back, uh, I'm going to take a, a a little bit of a detour away from basketball since we've got two NFL guys in the studio there and talk about Lamar Jackson and uh, his recent request here from the Baltimore Ravens. You're listening to Big Noon Sports. This is the Big Noon Sports Network. Hey, this is Reagan, owner of R&R Cigars, the Cigar Mansion in downtown Tuscaloosa, located at 2703 6th Street across from the Home Two Suites. Come down to R&R and see why we're the ultimate cigar and bourbon experience. With over 165 bourbons and five private barrels, our selection of bourbon is unmatched. We have the best cocktails around and our cigar selection is legendary. Our lounge and service are world-class. Come and experience the luxury of the mansion and see why it's a world-renowned cigar and spirits destination. Back to Big News Sports, the Millers, Lars Anderson, Matt Coulter, uh, Joe, and um, Justin are back in the studios. A um, big football story today because Lamar Jackson, uh, quarterback for the Ravens, or apparently, if he, want, if, if he has his way, not for long, he has put it out on social media that he wants to be traded. Uh, as of March 2nd, I requested a trade from the Ravens organization, for which the Ravens has not been interested in meeting my value. Any and everyone that has met me or been around me know I love the game of football. It's my dream to help a team win the Super Bowl. Christian, um, do you think this is going to happen? Is somebody going to make somebody going to offer more than $32.4 million? Um, it's tough to say. I mean, because there hasn't really been much activity um, since they put that non-exclusive tag on him where teams have been able to, I guess, uh, work with him and, and negotiate um, on his behalf. But it's tough to say. I mean, it sounds like he's ready to move on, and, and I don't blame him. Um, they, they've been going back and forth for probably close to two years now and just still have, have not been able to, uh, to come to an agreement or see eye to eye. Um, and unfortunately they're at this point now. Um, but in my opinion, if I'm, if I'm a team, I'm looking for a spark at quarterback. I'm looking for a proven guy, a guy that's, um, won an MVP, a guy that's led the league. Um, I know we always like to look at his, you know, running ability. Um, but the fact of the matter is, I mean, he's, he's up there with his, his passing stats as well. I mean, if I'm in, in dire need of a quarterback, and I know Lamar Jackson's sitting there. Why would you not go out there and get him? Um, yeah, again, I know you can draft a quarterback, but 
when you draft a guy, they haven't done anything in the NFL yet. You're going off of potential. Yeah, they might have done well in college, but if if I'm comparing it, look, we're talking about a guy, Lamar is what, my age? I think he's what, 26, if that? Yeah, um, yep. amazing. Yeah, 26 years old, one NFL MVP. I mean, an electric player, you know, a, a generational type talent. I'm going and getting him. I'm paying him the money. I mean, they waste all this other money elsewhere, and they end up cutting guys. They got all this wasted dead money. Anyway, I mean, why not take a shot and and, and try to get a guy like Lamar Jackson? Because wherever right. he, wherever he goes, he's gonna he's he's gonna make an instant impact. Obviously, we already know that, and he's gonna give you the opportunity to go out there and potentially play for or win a Super Bowl. I truly believe that. I think all he needs is weapons. You put weapons around him. I've said this before, and I'll say it again. You saw what the Philadelphia Eagles did. They had, they got a guy like Jalen Hurts. They put weapons around him. They got. Uh, Devontae Smith, um, they got uh, A.J. Brown, or I think it's his name. I mean, they, they went and got him weapons. Um, all these quarterbacks, you, you give them weapons, and, and they, 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 they play so much better, and it gives you a chance. Joe Burrow, he's got his weapons. You see, if, if, if I'm a GM, I'm getting a talented young quarterback, and I'm just giving him weapons, and I'm seeing what he can do, and that's what you have with Lamar Jackson. I think I, – so I have a question for Corey here. To me, it appears that Lamar Jackson has zero leverage in this situation. Uh, and and I, I think he's sort of bungled this whole thing uh, because teams now, it's almost like you, you're, you have to pay. So he wants the guaranteed contract, right? right. He, he's Fully demanding guaranteed. the guaranteed contract. He wants uh, Deshaun Watson 230 plus $230 million fully guaranteed. Mm-hmm. Nobody wants to do that. And then on top of that, if you if you do sign him to the tender and the Ravens are willing to let him go, you have to give up immense draft capital, two first rounders. And then on top of that, the Ravens could actually sort of backdoor you and use you as, okay, this is the market value and we're just going to sign Lamar to that particular contract. Mm-hmm. So that's why nobody is running to – sign Lamar Jackson or, or because again like it's viewed in the league I believe and this is what NFL a few NFL scouts have told me it's like you're doing the Ravens dirty work in terms of the negotiations but Lars and, let me ask and you this GMs don't want to do that if, if, and, if this and owners was, don't want to do let that let me ask you this Lars if this was Patrick Mahomes you think they would do it's that really, dirty work sorry the question becomes um, if he if he is remains a Raven, can he be the starting quarterback now that he has said he wants out? Like, can this fence be mended, or is the relationship irre- irreparably damaged, Corey? No, no doubt. I mean, Jim Harbaugh, just listened to him at the break. You know, he's their plans is, of course, new offensive coordinator from Georgia, Todd Munkin is a new uh, OC. Their plans... T- is still to have, per Jim Harbaugh, is to have uh, uh, him there, right? So uh, I don't know how true that is. Um, that's a Jim Harbaugh. I'm sending the wrong Harbaugh. <laughs> but, um, no, you're right. Okay, but anyway. It's John. John, John Harbaugh. John, yeah, yeah, Jim is Michigan. I get them mixed up. But anyway, uh, listen. Lamar Jackson has no leverage at, because of the tender, the $32 million tender. Um, he's not going to sign it. I can tell you that. And I wouldn't doubt if he just sits out. 
I mean, so it's a mess. You, you think you'd give up $32 million? Yes, I do. I do think he's sit, he is not going to sign that tender. I think that's, he's going to sit that there. Is, that is seriously a man of principle. He's going to get money. I mean, the dude's 26 Christian alluded to. He has so much football left. I mean, if I'm the Jets... I would make it a run instead of sitting there waiting on a man that likes to go in the darkness for five days, uh, a man that takes hallucinating drugs, a man that doesn't have much time left in his career that you don't even know if he's going to play, that you're sitting there trying to fool with this Green Bay trade, and you got Lamar Jackson sitting there that's 26. I would give up the two first-round picks. I mean, I don't know. If I'm the Carolina Panthers, David Tepper, if you want to win, why would you make this push? Right, you, you, we've seen how this thing's supposed to work. Jalen Hurts, who hasn't played a lot of snaps in the NFL, they put the right pieces. They gave him a very good offensive line. Yeah. They had guys on the outside that can catch. The veteran receiver with Devontae Smith, and they played tremendous defense. That's a recipe to get to the Super Bowl. Now, they didn't win it. They probably should have. They just made some mistakes down the stretch that cost them. So why? And, and, and listen, I love Jalen, but Jalen is, is not Lamar Jackson. I mean, Jalen's a, a more power runner, and you talking about Lamar Jackson could go 80, right? And and Lamar Jackson, I would argue, is a better passer, although people would paint him as a guy that can't throw. But when he won the NFL MVP, look at his passing percentage. I mean, so whether you're in people, oh, he didn't throw it down the field, he's tight end, well, who cares? He completed at a high level of passes. So, listen, I, I think the NFL has been stupid right now. Some teams that, that I mean, this guy can, t- can be that piece that gets you to uh, the Super Bowl. I, do, and I know people are going to say, well, his playoff record is, is not that great. True. But he has the ability uh, to he get He didn't have any there. weapons, though. Right. They, 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 they don't, they don't invest in that. Yeah. Who's his best receiver? Mark back Andrews. His Mark tight end, Mark Andrews. I mean, think about it. I mean, so I, I think if they pay Lamar Jackson at some point, yeah, he'll, he'll be a Baltimore Raven. I think he wants to be there. But he just I just read he asked for a trade March 2nd, and then the March 7th they, they put the tag on him. So this is all Cleveland's fault, right? The NFL yeah. is saying, listen, really we, we, this was a foolish deal, Cleveland, $232 million fully guaranteed to a guy who haven't played in almost two years. He, and then Lamar Jackson going, I've done all of this. You pay this guy all of this, and he's done this, but look at what I've done. So I'm talking about value production here. So if his value is 232 based on his credentials, well, look at my value. Well, what's my value with my credentials? And that's what he's standing firm. I ain't mad at him. People think he should get an agent, but he's he's writing the story. Shoot, what well, look, look what Laramie Tunzel's done. Yeah. Laramie Tunzel yeah. has gone back-to-back three-year contracts, highest-paid uh, offense lineman or tackle ever he's by himself it. with no with no agent. But, Lars, what I was saying was I know there's a lot of loopholes and, and hurdles to sign him, but let's just be honest. If it, this was Joe Burrow, who you love, or Patrick Mahomes, paid. Been paid. they would have been paid. They would; these teams would have threw those. They would have threw those first uh, first round picks. No questions asked. So I mean, do I, you guys I, think? I, I do you guys I, think um, 
now that the door to guaranteed contracts has been opened, right, for quarterbacks. Mm-hmm. They need to do it with everybody. Closed. They need to, they, football needs to Absolutely. change that, especially with what do we do to put our bodies yeah. on the line and all the, the physical, um, no, I'm not going to say torture, but all the, all the physical damage that we go through to, to, to put on a show, to, uh, to provide entertainment. Absolutely. I they mean, they give baseball players full of kids. Exactly. <laughs> Why in the world football players don't have it? I don't get it. No. I mean, it's, you know, that's sense. been going on since I was watching Bart Starr. Um, and it just never made sense to me. But I think what by guaranteeing the contract that Cleveland did, it wasn't just a guarantee, it was the amount, too. And they set the bar really, really high. And I think collectively the owners are going, man, how are we going to do this? But Yeah, and they gave them a five-step. It feels like there's collusion among the owners, right? I I think there may be. The secret conversation. saying that we are not going to do this, right? So, And Lamar Jackson's draw the line in the sand. Owners have drawn a line in the sand, and we'll see who ends up, you know, crossing that line. The guy who won, Lars, is a guy that loves the massages. And, yeah, uh, I know. <laughs> I mean, they guarantee hey, you get some more massages, you might trouble. get guaranteed money. Right. I mean, come oh, on, man. Come oh, on. Can you uh, hit my trapezius uh, muscles a little deeper on the trapezius muscles right there? Yeah, I got a little knot. Oh, man. Yeah, I, I guess Lamar Jackson could negotiate a trade and then sign and, and then have Baltimore agree to it and then uh, sign the tender on the condition that he's traded. Right. But. That it's it's weird that a player would have to sort of go out and work with the GMs and not an agent be the one behind it mm. since he's representing himself. Pay it's such man. a unique situation. Pay the man. Yeah, it's definitely unique, but it's not unique once he gets to keep that extra money, though. I mean, I don't blame him. I, mean, I hate, hate to say this, but half the time, these agents, especially on rookie deals, they're not negotiating anything. All that is already, it's already set. So why are you they paying them one, the chalk, two, three percent? Right? That's what every guy gets. Chalk <laughs> plus a few percentage every year. It's no, not I, that hard. Hey, I, I thought the same thing with my literary agent. I'm like, why am I giving you fifteen percent when I'm the editor is calling me directly? So, <laughs> <laughs> so yeah, we get smart these days, guys. <laughs> hey, when we get back, we will close out this show. I've got a couple of news and uh, notes that we're gonna. Oh, by the way. You guys, here's a little homework assignment during the break. It is National Joe Day. I don't know if you're aware of that. Lars and I spoke about it briefly before we started the show at noon. But uh, Famous Joes, and mostly sports, but if you want to go into the uh, political arena, presidents, that kind of stuff, uh, we'll do that as well on Big News Sports. Covering SEC sports like Kudzu on the roadside. This is Big Noon Sports. You've probably seen their clothing around town on game days, but check out Christopher Mobley on the Strip. It's luxury game day apparel redefined. It's the only place in town where you can find Todd Hoops apparel. Clothing designed for the modern day entrepreneur, golf enthusiast, and athleisure fanatic. They've got Peter Millar, Viore, Grayson, and Miz and Main. And if you haven't tried the Miz and Main dress shirts, you've got to. You can find them at 1410 University Boulevard on the Strip. Also, they've got a great e-commerce site at ChristopherMobley.shop. So check out Christopher Mobley, luxury game day apparel redefined. From our home base in Birmingham, Alabama, 
We are here treating patients from every generation across the United States and from around the world. We're here for the rookies and the dreamers trying to make a name for themselves. We are here for the achievers who are resilient and won't take no for an answer. We're here for the coaches, athletic trainers, and mentors who are shaping the next generation of legends. We are here for you aggressively pursuing victory over injury. Learn more at andrewsportsmedicine.com. Work is a part of all of us. Working drives us to push beyond what we thought was imaginable and allows us to come together again for the things that really matter. That's why the Alabama Department of Labor and the Alabama Career Center System is here to help you discover bigger opportunities than ever before. Visit your local career center or alabamaworks.alabama.gov. Funding provided by the USDOL, PTA, and Federal WIOA, an equal opportunity employer program. Auxiliary aids and services available upon request. Brought to you by this station and the Alabama Broadcasters Association. Hey, this is Reagan, owner of RR Cigars, the Cigar Mansion in downtown Tuscaloosa. Located at 2703 6th Street, across from the home two suites. Come down to RR and see why we're the ultimate cigar and bourbon experience. With over 165 bourbons and five private barrels, our selection of bourbon is unmatched. We have the best cocktails around, and our cigar selection is legendary. Our lounge and service are world class. Come and experience. Experience the luxury of the mansion and see why it's a world-renowned cigar and spirits destination. Work is a part of all of us. We know that the world around us has changed, and that's why the Alabama Department of Labor is here to get you back to working hard. Work is a part of all of us. Let us help you get back to it by visiting your local career center or alabamaworks.alabama.gov. Funding provided by the USDOL, ETA, and Federal WIOA, an equal opportunity employer program. Auxiliary aids and services available upon request. Brought to you by this station and the Alabama Broadcasters Association. The story of the nurse and the foot pain that nearly brought him down. I feel like I'm giving people their lives back. Robert lived to take care of his patients, but he couldn't do it unless he took care of his foot pain. I have plantar fasciitis. It'll almost put you on your knees. That's how much it hurts. His own recovery started when he got fitted for arch supports at the Goodfeet store. Now that I'm pain-free, I can make these people feel better. Can't beat that. Stop by or schedule your free fitting at goodfeet.com. Tide 100.9, Tuscaloosa weather. A mixture of clouds and sunshine this afternoon. Just a small chance of a shower through tonight. The better chance of rain stays to the south. The high today, 71. The low tonight, 42. Or tomorrow, partially sunny. The chance of a shower stays small. The high, 62. I'm James Spann on the ABC 3340 Weather Center on Tide 100.9. It's 77 degrees in Tuscaloosa. A national championship team covering a national championship team. The best sports talk in the state. Tide 100.9 and streaming on the Tide 100.9 app. Back on Big Noon Sports. Corey and Christian Miller along with Lars Anderson. I'm Matt Coulter. Uh, we're going to do uh, the best of Joe's here in a minute. But first, uh, Crystal, we need to talk about Joe Goodfeet. Yeah, we do need to talk about Mr. Goodfeet because that's exactly where me and my dad are headed after this. Um, because like we all know, you know, playing sports, specifically football, can leave you in all types of pains. Foot pains, knee pains, back pains, you name it. Uh, I think my dad can attest to that as well, especially after watching the way him watching him walk. <laughs> His knees are not doing well right now. But fortunately, we found a good way to help eliminate and alleviate that pain 
with Goodfeet's premium art supports. I use them all the time in all situations. It's remarkable the difference that they make in such a short period of time. If you never experienced them, I highly recommend them. That's exactly why I'm taking my dad over there after this show. And it's try before you buy. You've got nothing to lose. So stop into your local Goodfeet store today or visit them online and make an appointment at goodfeet.com to find the nearest location near you. That's Goodfeet improving the quality of people's lives two feet at a time. All right. It is National Joe Day, and we're just going to go around the table very carefully here. And I'll start. The first name that popped into my head was Jolton Joe DiMaggio. Lars? Uh, I'm going with the Joe who has had the most influence in world history, good or bad, right? Just influence. That's Joseph Stalin. Oh, wow. Um. Okay. <laughs> okay. All right. Well, uh, Joe Burrow. You know, but you know, it probably yeah, that probably would have been a good one. Um, <laughs> I don't even know what this game is, but I'm looking at Joe Gaither, so I'm going with Joe okay. Gaither. Okay. Uh, and, and, and shout That's out to him great. for all that he does behind the boards. Well, he's talking. Man. I was going to say Joe Gaither too because you know he drove to Louisville and. And, uh, you know, he was sad driving back. Um, but anyway, I'm going with another Joe, and that's Joe Broadway Joe Namath. Yeah. New York, New that's York, the- City of Dreams. So we're just yeah. naming a, people that we know named Joe? Is that what this is? Yeah, well, the fam- more of the famous. And, um, yeah, mm-hmm. I, th- I, I thought of Namath, too. And then I thought of Montana. Lars, you're on deck. No, actually, you're in the box now. <laughs> um. Yeah, I mean, I, I thought of uh, DiMaggio, of course, right away, uh, and um, about Joe Pesci. Is he the most famous Joe in Hollywood? He will be up there. Um, is it on me now? I'll be honest, guys. Yeah. I, I, I I don't even know. <laughs> I, 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 Did I you play one. with a Joe? Yeah, that, I mean, that, I, that, was, worded, that was worded poorly. Yeah. No, Did no, you, no. Was there a teammate named Joe? Yeah, I've I've had a teammate or two named Joe. They were um, famous, so. Yeah, I wouldn't. Yeah, I probably wouldn't think of him to, to name here. I mean, we've got an Uncle Joe. The president's <laughs> name is Joe. <laughs> Where's Joe Gaither at? Right there. Uh, so, keep me up. Keep me up. Uh, some. Joey Fatone. Who is Joe Jackson? Right? Come, on, Come on. There keep me go. up some fat Joe. Uh, fat you want, Joe. You, there you go. See, Matt would not know oh, this. Lean back. But, there you, go, uh, you know. But this guy was bad, bad dude, man. His name is Fat Joe. Matt, come on, give me some Joe. To my lean back Joe, to my like, like the the rapper Joe. Yeah. Yep. Oh yeah, oh. he was big in New York, probably. Yeah, he's big everywhere. Uh, well, everywhere. But, but I'm saying though, but you How played about in New Joe York. Joe Frazier. Down there you goes go. Frazier. That's a big time Joe, my opinion. Joe. What Walsh? am I thinking about the, the Joe from uh, the Yan- the Yankees manager Joe? Uh, Joe, what his name is Joe? I mean, is it cheating to look up famous Joes in sports? Oh, no, not not with one minute left. Joe Girardi. Joe I mean, Girardi. Thank goes you. Right now, Christian Heisman. Uh, <laughs> Joe Paterno. <laughs> yeah, I love that famous Corey. There's a Corey Miller, but well, it's not me. Yeah, no, he's also a rapper, but I think he actually yeah, a was tattoo in, artist. Well, there's a tattoo artist, but there's also a Corey Miller. I think who was indicted on a yeah, charge. He's in jail too. Yeah, he's not. Yeah, so yeah, let's not name that Corey. But yeah, that's not you. Luckily. There we go. Here you go, Matt. Put All this right, in your playlist. Well, Put this uh, in your playlist right here. It's Joe Schmo. 
Um, we got to go. Joe Schmo, we got to go. That's the end of the Big Noon Sports Show. So uh, we'll get out of here. Hey, Corey, yes, sir. good talking to you, man. It's your afternoon. I'm glad Lars didn't run for me today. I had to drive all the way to Tuscaloosa so I didn't tell him I was coming on. So good to talk to you, Lars. <laughs> okay. Thank we you so much, friends. Corey. Thanks for coming on, man. Yes, Great sir. stuff. All right. Appreciate it. Uh, we'll talk to you tomorrow in 22 hours on